You've asked for it. We deliver the first 2026 round one NFL mock draft here on the Character Concerns podcast. Okay, I'll see y'all later. I'm good. We're not doing a. You think we're joking? I sent you Nick. Somebody did it. Yeah. (laughs) I sent you the 2026 mock with kids that are in high school getting ready to be in college. Chris and I were both. Chris and I were both personally offended when you sent us a 2026 mock draft with guys not even listed with a university because they they, they are currently in high school. Haven't even committed. But you know what though? That the drafts can be full of those guys. Full of those guys. You when know, it comes down to you it. Know, we say that, but we don't know that. All right, let like me get Arch this. Manning and all this. Come yeah, on, man. Let me get this that. out of the way before we go any further. I am Nick Schwartz, Chris and Osara, Jay Binkley. This is Character Concerns. Do us a favor. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Kevin Clark of The Ringer, who's a great football writer, and he wrote about this recently in that the NFL, it's actually easier now than it's ever been to project the NFL draft in advance based off purely recruiting rankings like just look at what Georgia has done Georgia has been a factory for early round NFL talent and it's no coincidence that over the last five years they have been number one or number two in recruiting rankings every single year whereas 10 years ago it was more of an inexact science and it still is and you'll still have those people tell you that oh I don't care about the amount of stars in front of your name the reality is those guys that are five stars, those guys that wind up at Georgia and Alabama and Clemson, they are more likely now to become first, second round draft talents than they were five, ten years ago. Yeah, I, I, I went through a lot of the drafts from like, not the, the recruiting class from like 15, 16, 14, around that era. And you look at those names. I mean, even if you go back to like 2017, 2018, which had a lot of guys that were drafted this year. And you look at those names and a lot of the guys who were picked in the first couple rounds were like top 100 on on like rivals but it's it's maybe like maybe at what a quarter of yeah. them are are projected in who who are projected like top 100 end up in the first couple rounds a lot of those guys end up falling um so like yeah you can you can get that right especially like with the five stars cuz you're you're a lot of times you're basing it off of physical talent than you are like production but it still is is really hard to project how these guys are going to go when you get to a college and you have to go through injury issues, you have to go through coaching issues and development issues, and that could really kind of stall your progress to be from being a great high school prospect to end up being a, a professional player. You like know, it's really hard. And the portal has been so important; it's got its good and bad things. Part of the bad things is guys like Bill Snyder. Or Gary Pinkle that took guys who were three stars, two stars, three stars, and turned them into NFL talent. But the player has to have the patience. Like the player has to have the patience to stick it out or hit that transfer portal because these guys do groom. Like Bill Stenner was grooming you to the NFLs. Gary Pinkle took take took three stars all the time to that next level. Yeah, I, I think the draft really misses because I want to know where these guys are, what their stars were coming out of high school. Because I, I am curious about that. Just like the Heisman, Nick, you love the Heisman. So much, but I like to see how many stars these Heisman guys had. Like Mac Jones, you know, when he was up for the Heisman and everything else, didn't have a lot of stars. Mm. Marcus Mariota had what two offers? One was Memphis and one was like Oregon. But I like to find out uh, where these guys are going. And I know Mac didn't win it, but the fact that he was there in New York watching Devontae win it. But the bottom line is, he was what a three star guy. I mean, most of these guys, I I, I think the draft should show that because I'm. Maybe people aren't curious about it, but I am. Hey, what were people saying about this kid before he got to college? 
Do you know what Rasheed Rice's recruiting ranking was coming out of high school? He was a three-star, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a three-star coming out of Richland, Texas. And I want to start today's episode by talking a little bit about him because we're getting into OTAs. It's crazy how quickly the offseason hums along in the NFL. But we're already to OTAs. And I think this guy is going to have as many eyeballs on him as anybody else in the Chiefs camp. Because you go back to rookie mini camps from what was now, what, three weeks ago? Six to eight, so yeah. Nate Taylor of The Athletic wrote about this at the time, that everybody there was focused on Rasheed Rice. Whether it was offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, head coach, GM, quarterback, everybody was focused on this kid, a second-round pick, out of SMU. And he went as far as to say that it seemed like the rookie minicamps were designed specifically with him in mind to find out what you have here. Now, I don't think that I would take it as far as to say that this means we should expect Rasheed Rice to be the number one receiver or the number two receiver. I think it means exactly what it is, which is that you're trying to figure out how ready this guy is going to be from day one. We saw Sky Moore come from lower-level college, struggled a little bit, right? Took him a while to get acclimated because going from Western Michigan to the Kansas City Chiefs to run Andy Reid's offense is like trying to teach um, a four-year-old how to speak Chinese, right? It's just not the same language that you're learning. I think the same thing with Rasheed Rice going from SMU to the Chiefs. This is a guy I feel like we're going to have our eyes glued to all offseason just to try and figure out, is this going to be a similar situation to what we saw with Sky Moore last year? Or is he going to be a little bit farther along, a little bit more advanced, and you're going to be able to throw more at him right away? It was very apparent looking at rookie minicamp that Andy's biggest focus, since a lot of those guys were defensive guys, and you know how Andy is, he's very hands-off with the defense. That's, that's Spag's realm. He very much is the kind of guy where he's going to try and focus on making sure those offensive guys are ready to go. And Rasheed Rice was the big story of that rookie minicamp. He was actively coaching him. He was actively pushing him and challenging him throughout the camp. And you could tell that, like, Andy, he sees something in Rasheed. He knows that Rasheed's not up up to snuff right now. He knows that. He knows that this is very likely going to be a development development year. But I, I think, based on what we've heard, where Patrick Mahomes was, he gave his seal of approval at Camp Pat, and how he was one of the guys, first guys after the team called him to say, hey, we're, we're going to bring you to Kansas City. It was very obvious at that point, he's their guy, and this is another example of why he looks like their guy, because Andy's hands-on with him, Andy's pushing him, and I certainly expect that in camp, we'll probably see Rasheed maybe get a few snaps with the ones, just so they can kind of see where he's at. Certainly they're going to push him as far as conditioning goes, because that was like the big thing that we heard from rookie camp. I, I want to see... Like and we 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 talk about this a lot in camp. I want to see just how involved he is with the ones at camp because that's where we can kind of get an idea of where they think he is or what, what kind of package he's in. Right now, I think if he could hope to be number three receiver coming out of camp, I mean that's that's wishful thinking. But yeah. right right now, you'd have to say Kadarius Tony, then MVS, then Sky Moore, and he'd be four because I put him ahead of Richie James at this point because he was drafted by this team and you know this team values its draft picks. A guy down there working with the camp Pat, but so you know what. 
Kadarius Tony went down there to to work out with him. Sky Moore did. That's all good stuff. James was down for there too. The Chiefs receiver. Yeah, Richie James was down there as well. So that, that's good. And Justin Ross and all these guys were down there. But the, the receivers will be the high profile uh, point for the Chiefs. But I want to see with Rasheed Rashe Rice because I expected Sky Moore early on. Maybe there's too many expectations for Sky Moore early on because Sky catches everything. It's one thing Andy Reid likes, but we saw him gradually as the season went on get better and better. But one thing you don't want is question marks after the season. You don't want to say, well, he could maybe be a two, or you know, he could slide in to be that three. No, you want definitive answers. After a full season, you want a definitive answer. Guy played in the Super Bowl, has postseason experience, has Super Bowl experience. That's big. That's extremely valuable that Sky Moore has. But I don't know if a true number one exists on the roster at this point. I mean, they, they may not need one. They have a collection of guys that could be two or threes, but I don't know that a one, a one needs to emerge. Like a one needs to emerge. And I say this, and I've used this before. Peyton Manning, yes, he had uh, one of five teams ever in the history of football having three wide receivers over 1,000 yards. And Brandon Stokely was one of those guys. But it was Reggie Wade and Marvin Harrison. You know, those are true number ones that number one and played number two, but they're true number one receivers. A lot of guys have them. Joe Montana always did. Dan Marino did with Clay, Clayton Duper. I don't know that that get, Tyree Kill is a true number one. I'm waiting to see. Kadarius Tony, maybe, but you got to stay healthy. There's a lot of question marks with certain players, but at this point, I want to see a one emerge. So I think the 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 trap that you can fall into, and I feel like I'm hearing it from some Chiefs fans already, is the idea that because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl without a number one wide receiver last year. And I don't want to hear the caveats about, well, you still have Travis yeah. Kelsey. No, no, no. I get that. We're, we're, we're separating production from role. Because the Chiefs won the Super Bowl without a true number one receiver last year, that you could just go into every season not being worried about that. I don't oh, think the Chiefs are operating like that, 100%. which is why right now, heading into OTAs, I think they're trying to figure out the question that you just posed. Is there a number one? They've been talking up Kadarius Tony a lot over the last six months. They want to find out if this guy can be a legitimate number one. When I say number one, I mean oh, we're throwing the ball to you a hundred and you're talking twenty hundred yards in double digits. We're touchdowns. throwing the, we're throwing the ball to you hundred and twenty times this year. We want to see you haul in seventy to ninety catches. We want to see you haul in twelve hundred yards. Ten. T- I mean that's that's Pro Bowl type numbers, but in a Chiefs offense that you know is going to throw for five thousand yards. There is production to be had by one of these receivers. We just don't know who the hell it's going to be. I just think the Chiefs coaching staff has been so good that, yeah, you hear that all the time, Nick. That was one of the things in the post. Well, they don't have a true number one. Look at this offense. Well, you know, they did. They were the only team in the NFL throw for over 300 yards a game. They did not have one 1,000-yard receiver. So you can make the point, hey, Patrick Mahomes turns water into wine, which he clearly does. I'm just saying make his life easier. Make his life easier with dynamic receivers because you never know. But people make the same argument. I always bring it back to them. You say, I say, you know, hey, you guys were concerned about the pass rush last year because the Chiefs didn't have a certifiable guy to get to the quarterback, but you know what? They made it work. They finished 55 sacks. They went up 24 sacks from the year before. How? Smoke and mirrors, using different guys, blitzing like luxurious Sneed from the safety. But this team had 55 sacks, number two in the NFL. The top two teams were in the Super Bowl in Philly and Kansas City. But people don't even realize that nationally when they talk about the Chiefs, they were number two in sacks because all we heard about was the pass rush of the Eagles. But hey, the Chiefs were number two in sacks. They were they were good in that area, but they made it work. And yes, the wide receivers made it work. I'm just saying, as you go for the future and you go forward, 
I would like to make it easier on Patrick Mahomes not to have to take guys like a Brandon Stokely and give him a thousand yards. I, I agree with you. I agree with you guys on that. Here's my thing though. I've I've been rewatching some Chiefs games this week, and um, one of the things I noticed is like they have no problem lining up their tight ends, not just Kelsey, but Noah Gray and also Jody Fortson wide as wide receivers to kind of throw off the numbers there and essentially have the, the the chance to have a bigger formation that they could run the football with, could throw shorter with, and, and do all these things that defenses really don't know how to stop. And I think that was one of the biggest successes they had last year was the fact that they ran these bigger sets, and it wasn't just like you had two tight ends lined up there and then Kelsey out, out wide. You had... You know, like uh, Noah Gray lined up in like an H back spot, and then Jody Fortson's lined up in the slot, and Kelsey's lined up wide on the other side. And they had to have him do that against and the Bengals, exactly. and everybody's hurt. And they and they were able to do that, and and they and they had success with it. I wonder if the Chiefs are going to try a bunch of different combinations of just not just wide receivers, but also tight ends. Like I can see Noah Gray getting a, a bigger piece of the offense than what he had last year. Because as I'm rewatching these games more, like. You can kind of tell that they they seem to have a little bit more confidence in Noah to line up wide as opposed to just play like an H-back or regular tight end role like they would with Blake Bell, which you can tell. They don't really have a ton of confidence with him as a pass catcher. Or Jody Fortson lining him up wide. Um, obviously, they got to have to make some choices here about contracts and whatnot, and I'm not sure if like Jody will be back after this season. Uh, but I kind of feel like the Chiefs are, are, are not – putting all of their eggs in the Kadarius Tony basket, I feel like they're like, okay, let's try a bunch of different guys. Let's try Sky. Let, let, they're obviously going to try Richie James because they really like that kid. And, and then um, they are going to see if Rasheed Rice can give them something this year. And if they feel like one player is better than the other, regardless of what we've heard in the offseason, they will put that guy in the position to succeed because they very much are not – they're not married to anybody they have in their roster right now. Yeah. They can make changes. So, okay, I, like, I, I agree like with that. that. I agree with that. But I think Rasheed Rice is under more pressure to perform as a rookie than any receiver that they've drafted since Andy Reid got here. More than McCole Hardman, more than Sky Moore last year because you don't have a safety valve in this receiver room. Last year, at the very least, they knew Juju would come in and be a reliable force across the middle. Like, they knew exactly what they were getting from him. Obviously, in McCole Hardman's rookie year, you knew what you had with Tyreek Hill. This year, it's not that they're relying upon Rasheed Rice to be a 1,000-yard guy. It's that if he if he has the season that Sky Moore just had, you're basically banking on everything that you need to happen to have. Like, you need to have Sky Moore take a big jump in year two. You need Kadarius Toney. To get healthy, you need Richie James to come in and be a reliable slot receiver for you. You can't really afford for any of those things to fall short of expectations if Rasheed Rice is another developmental project that can't get on the field much like Sky Moore was last year. I kind of feel like they're that's kind of what they're viewing him as, though, is a developmental guy. You can't be that. I remember just going back to that Brett Veach when he's on with McAfee, talking about Andy Reid. Yeah. He. Like certain guys, certain teams have identifiable spots for you. Like Jackson Smith and Nigba that's going to the Seahawks. Well, that's was a that slot guy. Still ruining the name. Jackson Smith. <laughs> We're a month away from the Nigba. You're still ruining no, it. That's it wrong. Nigba. Thank you. You got it right. Good it's job. Jay Go. It doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter now. He's not ours. So it just disappears. He's Seattle, every time. But, but the bottom line is, he's a true slot. And Pete Carroll says, I, I make my slot a star. 
So he, he's going to be the slot receiver. Andy Reid doesn't say identify and say you're on the inside, you're on the slot, hundred percent. Right. And he he waits as Brett Veach told Beckford, he's like, hey, here's the deal. You're a receiver. You got to play the inside. You got to play the outside. Because if I'm putting you in the game because of an injury, like if Darius Tony gets hurt. You better know his role. You better know this, the type of stuff he does. Hey, Sky Moore, you better learn the jet sweep and do the things that Kadarius Tony's doing because if he gets hurt, you're the next man up. But he expects receivers to know all their different roles. Where, where a guy like Jackson is looked at by Pete and say, no, no, you're in a slot. Like with, right. with this group of receivers that we have, you're a slot. Guy. And that's why I kind of tend to think he's – I think fans are starting to come around to this too, that like we should not place – the kind of expectations on him that you would normally take put for like a a, a, a pick a, a high wide receiver pick because after I think we're starting to learn we saw it with McColl we definitely saw it from Sky last year and everything that we've heard about Rasheed is like okay he's talented but he's got a lot of things to work on and he's probably not projected as like a number one he's more of a number two Sammy Watkins type. And so there's, and especially as you brought up, Bink, about learning all the various roles. Well, we know that learning various roles at, at receiver and Andy's offense can be pretty complicated, and it, it takes some time. And and Rasheed also uh, did not play at a, a Power Five school as he was an SMU guy. So certainly talent wise, there's going to be a, a big jump from playing at SMU against guys in, in your conference to now playing as NFL-level DBs. So there's going to be some learning there. Let me ask you guys this. Is it scary at all to wonder, and I hate to put this thought into your head, but is it scary to wonder what happens if like Sky doesn't take a leap in year two and Rasheed is much like Sky, a developmental piece that's like not ready to play this year? At what point do we start to have, again, I hate to do this after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but is this not a year where you kind of look at the evaluation process of these wide receivers and say, we're going to find out, we're going to find out finally how how Brett Veach and Andy Reid are at evaluating and drafting and developing wide receivers? Because generally speaking, year three into the league is probably like when we find out, do you have it or not? So it's not to say that like this is a make or break year for Sky, but if he has another year like his rookie season, there's going to be zero optimism whatsoever that, oh, the breakout's coming in year three. Usually you start to see glimmers of it. And now that you've taken a wide receiver in the second round back-to-back years, I think this is kind of where you want to start seeing some return on investment, especially if you consider Kadarius Toney basically a rookie last year, right? He comes in midseason. I kind of look at him as a second-year player in the league. I, I, I treated him as a Chiefs rookie last year. You have invested in the wide receiver room you want to start seeing some returns on the, on that investment this season. Well, I think you make a great point, too, when you talk about the pressure coming in here and what the, can they do to develop. Cause Sky Moore didn't have a lot of it because Juju was here at MVS, just like you yeah. said. And she Rice, here's the deal. If they can't, don't have anybody step up to that role, what are they going to do now? Because, again, 7 out of 10 picks the year before defense, 5 out of 7 on off or on defense this year with an offensive lineman mixed. And they're only on day two, second and third round, do they go offense at all with a tackle and a receiver, it's going to be hitting out with the free agency market. If these guys don't pan out, it is back to going out and getting the Juju's and MVS type for this team. It just is. Because they they want to. The modus operandi of this team is to draft players and develop them, which is cool because we're starting to see Pat's own guys. Because now he's down there, you know, working out with, you know, Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. They were drafted with Mahomes. 
which I think is big. Yeah, Kadarius Tony came in from the outside. We didn't start with Patrick Mahomes. These guys, Patrick, you know, Patrick's got his eye on these receivers, and you know, his his voice is heard within that draft room on who they should draft. But these guys are interesting to watch because they were kind of drafted to be with him. But if they don't pan out, it's going to have to be going out and looking at the free agent market because they have to have certifiable wide receivers with this offense. Also, I think there's kind of a uh, a narrative that'll start popping up if we kind of see some issues with Sky and, and with Rasheed and whatnot. Maybe it's a little hot takeish of me. But I kind of feel like people are going to start questioning Mahomes' judgment as far as talent goes because we know Mahomes signed off on Clyde. We know Mahomes signed off on Rasheed. And I, I guarantee you, they consulted him with Sky Moore. How much though? Like, how much say did he? Like, I, I don't, don't think he's we, pulling we obviously the don't know. He's and not, I, we obviously don't know. Like he might have signed like off with Mingo. We don't. Know. Yeah, we don't. You know? We don't know. We don't know all of the details. But like, we know that he signed off on them to bring in guys. We know they signed off on MVS. And if these guys aren't panning out, I guarantee you, there's going to be people out there asking those questions. Is Mahomes, does Mahomes have the eye for talent? Because like again, this is he's these are he's his guys. I would argue that it's not his job, though. It's not his job, and I agree with you. And if the Chiefs are leaving those decisions in his hand, that's on them. Yeah, I know, and I I agree with that. I just think that that's a narrative that could pop up because you know how this business is. Well, it might have been several guys at wide receiver that really like. He might really like Quentin Johnson. We don't know. Maybe. It's it's possible that there were. It's possible he liked all the guys that were at at camp at whoever that we don't even. Mingo might have been there. We just haven't heard of him. He could have liked them a lot too. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I think that's a narrative that could pop up is people like, okay, he he, he was wrong about Clyde. He was wrong about Rasheed. You know, MVS is MVS, you know, talented, not reliable. Like, all of a sudden, I think there's going to be people asking that question there because. At the end of the day, it's very much results-oriented, and quarterbacks are at the forefront of those results for the offense. I think people are going to ask that question. But he, he could take anybody and make them good. I just wish that he didn't have to do that, that he had to the survival one. Because yeah. he likes to – I remember when he was a rookie, he made a comment one day after uh, or, uh, one of the OTAs or somewhere, maybe it was training camp. He goes, my job is just to put the ball in the hands of receivers let them make the plays. Which is that's what you want a quarterback to do. You, you put right. it when they're in motion, when they're running, and you give them a chance to make a play. It's not a dead end play. Well, we've seen plenty of that with quarterbacks in Kansas City, where you catch the ball and you're down. Like Mahomes was envisioning, I'm gonna get you the ball when you're moving in space. You go make the play. Which is a big difference between a dead end play and let's go make a move play. And he's been very good at that. Well, that's what they did last year. Like. You look at the the receiver room and you say, okay, I didn't see a ton of dynamic athletes. But then you look at the final season numbers. If I'm if I'm correct, I believe Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith Schuster, and Jarek McKinnon all finished the season top twenty in the NFL in yards after the catch. And Juju and Jarek are not guys you think of as being premier receivers, but that speaks to what you just said, Bink. Okay, we're not going to beat you downfield. We're not going to take the top off the defense anymore with these deep threats. We're going to kill you to death underneath because we're going to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. They're going to make guys miss. Now that Juju's gone, Jarek is back. I, I I find it hard to believe he's going to be able to repeat that success that he had in the receiving game last year. I think the idea is that's why we went out and got a, a, a Kadarius Tony last year. We don't know if he's a three-level separator, if he's a three-level threat offensively, but we know one thing. That guy can be untouchable with the ball in his hands. Well, he, he is a dynamic athlete that this, this team does not have outside of him. It's time to start looking for the future, too, with, with Kelsey. and I'm curious whether they're going to make that switch. Because with Kelsey, they know that Father Time is undefeated in the National Football League, and he's such a big part of this offense. 
But what are the plans going forward? Because I'd like to see, because Mahomes should always be the first and only answer. How do we make his job easier? Because that's what Chiefs are known for. They're known for the offense and Mahomes going out and doing his things. He needs weapons. And hopefully going forward, this is kind of the thought of the Chiefs. And next year, this year I did expect more offensive players. Didn't get them. I think next year's draft, we look more at going offensive players with the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got this line kind of where they wanted to at this point. But again, like Donovan Smith comes in here. That doesn't mean like DeAndre Hopkins could come in here too. And that just kind of reshuffles the order of the way things are done. I would not be shocked if Noah Gray saw a lot more usage in the passing game. Well, that 12 personnel, they run it about as much I, as anybody. Yeah, like he he didn't get a whole lot of targets last year, but you could tell their their confidence is building up. It was far more than the year before. A lot more. And I would not be shocked if he was starting to kind of get, what would you see, like a third or fourth receiver as far as targets go. I wouldn't be shocked by that. They're yeah, double I mean, title. You're the talking time. about five, six hundred yards receiving. Yeah. If he can get you five, six hundred, like all of a sudden Which, now we're going to be start talking about heir apparent. To by Kelsey the way, it doesn't that. seem like much. Go back and look at the top receiving tight ends in the NFL last year. That those are good him, numbers. That would put him probably top ten. Yeah. Yep. Those are good numbers for a tight end. Yeah. And and you talk about make or break year for tight ends. Year three. That's usually not a, a position where guys see the same immediate impact that you see at wide receiver. But by year three. You're probably expected to be a little bit closer up to speed, and we're going to find out exactly what you're made of. I want to switch to defense and talk about another player. You talk about Travis Kelsey. Who knows how much longer he's going to be in a Chiefs uniform. Another guy that's trying to get his future solidified is Chris Jones, who has one year left on his deal. But as we knew all season, and as we've known all offseason, he is in all likelihood going to get a new contract this offseason. You know, go back to a year ago, I don't think we would have spoken with the same level of certainty that Chris Jones was going to be a chief for life. We didn't know. I think a lot of people wanted it to happen, but we had no idea that we were on the precipice of him looking like the best defensive player in football, which is exactly what he did. Finished second in defensive player of the year voting. Now there is no conversation to be had about whether or not he's going to be in Kansas City. The only question I think from Chiefs fans is how much money is he going to get? Whatever that number is, it's the cost of doing business. Right, You don't let guys like him at age 29 walk into the open market. But recent reports suggest that he wants to be the second highest paid player at his position. Aaron Donald got a massive deal. He's making over $30 million a year. No other player at that position is going to touch that. But then there's a pretty wide gap between he and Jeffrey Simmons, who got a new deal from the Titans. Uh, I think it was four years, 90 Four million, ninety-five million. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence got like I think four years, ninety from the Giants. So there's a sizable gap between number two and number one. Is there any concern that the Chiefs are not going to be willing to pony up that kind of money? Well, see, you, I felt that he's on the cusp of this the last couple of years, and it's Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. I don't think there's an argument. I think Chris Jones is past Aaron Donald right now. Well, yeah, last year, the way things are, absolutely, he's now taking that mantle. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. That's saying it's going to always happen, but right now I think Chris Jones has made that pass. I think He was close, but now he's passed it. I, I think getting, I mean, that was Chris Jones' best season this past season. Like, you, you, when you have a defense that is so dependent on the pass rush like the Chiefs Because he excelled are. both inside and outside. Yeah. And that was the thing. Can he really do the outside? Because the year before was all about yeah. inside. And yeah. he would struggle on the outside. And this year he did both. And having a great interior edge rusher like him, it makes your, your, your I mean, interior rusher like him, it makes your edge rushers a lot better because you're, they're able to push the pocket back. And it makes it easier for them to, to you know, on, on effort plays, on coverage sacks, to get after the quarterback. 
Um, I, I think at this point now, if they don't bring him back, it would be a it would be a really puzzling move. You seen the hot take artists on on Twitter like, oh, they should trade him because they can get another Tyreek Hill like Hall. And it's like I don't think that they would get a Tyreek Hill like Hall. A bird in the hands, one <laughs> two in the bush. Yeah, You're familiar with that phrase? Yeah, like this this isn't Madden. You I'd can't just take trade. The guy yeah. I know exactly is one of the best in the NFL. Exactly, and at a position where it's a lot harder to find great players at. Because again, there's not very many great interior pass rushers. There's just not that many. And usually if they are great, they're like seven sack great, not 15 and a half sack great. So it's a it, there's levels to this stuff. I don't see I think it's probably what three I think it'll probably like three years, maybe 90 million dollars or something or 85. They probably they won't have any issue getting him signed to a contract, I don't think. Just a matter of kind of working out the cap logistics and whatnot. So the reason I wanted to bring up Chris Jones is not just because it's topical and he is in all likelihood going to get a new deal, but we talk about like follow the money in the NFL. Follow the money, follow the investments for the Chiefs to figure out what their long-term plan is. Last year, they took George Karloftis edge rusher in the first round of the draft. This year, they took Felix and Yudike Uzama, edge rusher, in the first round of the draft. And if they then hand a contract to Chris Jones that would make him a top four paid player on defense, like depending on how you want to look at it, do you want to look at guaranteed money? Do you want to look at average? Who cares, right? He's going to be making probably north of $24, $25 million annually. Right. He was already looking at like a $28 million cap hit last year. If the Chiefs hand out the contract that we all think they're going to, there is no bigger headline for them as an organization over the last 13 months than their investment in the pass rush. We can talk about the offense. It's always going to be led by the offense, wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera. Their most premium assets, first-round draft picks and cap space, are being handed to that defensive front. And if they give Chris Jones that contract, it's just going to be furthering that argument, their commitment to having an elite pass. Because they've proved to just get a bunch of guys for the defensive backfield. Instead of just one guy's your star, which they have a bunch of on rookie contracts at this point. This team's deal is going to come up here, and we're going to figure out what they're going to do with that. But that's been a plug and play. Just grab guys and just throw them at defense. That's it's so much tougher to do than pass rusher. Pass rusher is such a skilled deal. Remember me reading the list the last couple of uh, about the last couple of years, top twenty sackers, most of them what first round picks, one through like eighteen or something. It's such a specialized deal. If you lose somebody that's a pass rusher, just grabbing somebody from the bench and throwing them in there to be that guy. Now you can get somebody to do that and play you know, good in the secondary for a time because again, plug and play with their defensive backs, and they still go defensive back this year too. You know, even a guy like Nick Jones in seventh round they really like, or Shamari Connor that could play corner and safety that they drafted this year. But yes, I think they realize the specialness of edge rushers and what they can do. And not only that, Chris Jones, he kind of is the honey badger to me in a way. He's, he's the prototypical chief, that versatility thing you're talking about, can play the inside and outside. What he is is a trendsetter, because that's, that's what teams are looking for in the NFL. It's like when the honey badger hit his prime. We're looking for a guy that could play nickel. We're looking for a guy that played corner. We're looking for a guy that could play safety. We want a guy that could play all over the field. That's why it made so much sense that Tyron Matthew came in here. But Chris Jones has kind of become that guy, too. With the inside and outside, because look at for agency. They go at Minahue. Same way. Inside and outside type of guy. These are the type of guys that Chris Jones kind of set the bar for who and what that position is. 
I think the interesting thing about how they're engaging in roster construction is that the Chiefs are kind of doing like the opposite of what the Patriots did with their dynasty, where it's like early on they were this defensive juggernaut that had this game manager, and they didn't surround it with a ton of talent. They're going to win with defense, and we're going to get just enough offense to win. And then they start adding a bunch of weapons, high-powered offense. We're going to just blow the doors off of you. We're going to score 40 points, and we're going to we're going to blow you out and all that. And you look at the way the Chiefs are going. Elite offense early on. And I don't think their offense is going to take a hit at all, but I think they're focusing so much on defense now because of all the great quarterbacks in the conference, all the talented wide receiver now. I think that the Chiefs are like, okay, Let's support our quarterback, not just with weapons, with guys up front in front of him blocking, but let's give him a defense that he can rely on. He's never had a defense he can rely on in his career up until probably this past season. Like scoring defense wasn't there. They're like, what, 16th, but they're 11th in total defense. Yeah. So, but like, that's my point, though, is like, is like you look at where they are. It's like with so much competition in the conference. It's hard to just tell Patrick Mahomes, hey, go out there and throw 50 touchdowns, five, you know, 5,000 yards, and just go out there and play call, play, play Texas Tech football. It shows their trust in their quarterback yeah. that they're able to do things exactly. like that. They're like, okay, we can we can take a step back on our receivers. We can develop guys. Because as good as Mahomes is on offense, think about this. Yeah. He allows that defense to do things that you might not typically do with the exactly. quarterback. Exactly. So I think that they're going to, like, with so much investment on defense the last couple drafts, I think they're like, hey, let's just give him a defense that he can rely on, that he he doesn't feel like he has to force the ball. He doesn't feel like he has to make those superhuman plays all the time. If we're, you know, it's third and 18, he doesn't have to throw the ball into a tight window and risk turning it over. We can just punt. We can get the ball back. We can get a turnover, a big sack or something, and then we'll try again next time. Well, I think that's a great point because when – you, you look at what the Chiefs have not done offensively, right? They didn't go out and get a big-name wide receiver. They didn't trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't sign Odell Beckham Jr. I think there can be this narrative uh, that the Chiefs are not surrounding with Mahomes with enough talent and that they're asking him to go be a hero. They're asking him to lift up the play of these non-elite wide receivers, which is, I think, a convenient way to frame it when, as you just said, what if the flip side is they're saying, okay, we're not asking him to be a superhero in every play because now we are trying to provide him with a defense that will make it to so where his unit doesn't have to go out and average 34 points a game. You can go out and score 24 points and feel comfortable that you're going to win, that that will be enough offense. But also the thing, too, is what was the interest level? Like how much interest? Because we know that the year they got Juju, the year before they really wanted him. Like, that was a position that X, that's something they really wanted. And as far as pass rushers, they brought one in. Remember when they went out and got Troll Suggs? It was a position that they wanted and needed. Yeah. And when you think about it, was, it, was there a quest for Odell? Is there that burning desire to bring in one of these receivers? It's just like the Wanye Morris. Yeah, he was drafted, and we talk about where he's going to fit on the line. Then all of a sudden, they go out and get Donovan Smith and say, all right, you're a left tackle. We don't have to worry about Juwan moving over there because we were discussing that. But what was the interest level in bringing another receiver in? Do you still feel that they need it, or do they still feel that they need it? Are they going to get to St. Joe and say, eh, this is why we really wanted Odell Beckham? I, I kind of feel like they if if they really wanted another receiver, they'd have it. If they really wanted DeAndre Hopkins, they could have had him. I mean, if they really wanted Odell Beckham Jr., they could have found a way to get him. 
they decided. Well, they still can with Hopkins. Yeah, they still can with Hop, but like it, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of urgency for anybody to go get but him. It, it'll right say now. a million things if he ends up a chief. Yeah, if he ends up a chief, obviously something you know they they kind of feel a certain type of way about the receiver room. But I I, I feel like right now they are like we were cool making an investment in our defense because we feel like this is going to give us the best chance to ease some pressure off of Mahomes more than the receivers because like especially nowadays that that teams are playing a lot more too high safeties and shutting down those deep passes well that means that the Chiefs are going to have to methodically pace the ball down the field more and they're gonna make some more mistakes and you're gonna need to rely on your defense I think more. the word is matriculate Chris yeah matriculate is a as a, as a at, what is it? A, an at, what is it? Oh, a, matriculate down the field. Synonym, not a synonym. Uh, whatever it is, whatever. See, yeah, it is. Synonym. Come on, gentlemen, it's matriculate. It synonym. Yeah, they 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 have to matriculate the ball down the field that a little bit. Way, that way. Uh, but they got to also rely on their defense more now, and it, it makes sense that they would make a major investment on their defense the last two years, especially when you're paying your quarterback big money. You're gonna most likely pay Chris Jones big money. Travis Kelsey, even though he's not on a, a market value contract, he's still on a on a pretty hefty contract. The, and now Jawan Taylor is is making big money. You got to be very careful about how many of those big co- contracts you pass out. Because these moves they make, the signings they make, the draft picks they make, spe- they they speak a million stories. They do. Like when they go out and select somebody and then get somebody free, they speak volumes on kind of what they're looking for and how they're building, especially with the Chiefs. Because right now, I mean, you look at their roster; it's a pretty complete roster, but they're they're hand selecting guys. To fit in here, I mean, it speaks. Vol- I think the whole Donovan Smith signing speaks volumes. To be quite honest with you, maybe where they want to go in the first round with offensive line. So Donovan Smith, they sign left tackle, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and afterwards, Andy Reid said point blank, "Yeah, he's our left tackle, Juwan Taylor at right." Would they have drafted Anton Harrison if he were there at pick thirty-one? I don't know about Anton Harrison specifically. I think that's an easy name to throw out. because They brought him in for a look. Right, and there was and a lot of interest And there. we know that he was thought of to be available at that point in the round. Like, you could easily make this question about Darnell Wright, who ended up going a lot earlier than we anticipated. So you can kind of play this game and say, okay, Broderick Jones, right, who went to Pittsburgh, would they have drafted him? Probably, but they weren't available. And there was a run on left tackle, on tackles, that... I think we had talked about a little bit, but we didn't know it was going to go as early as it did. Like, it right. wasn't even really close. No. Like, they, <laughs> didn't even, they did not have a shot to get their hands on yeah. one of those top-tier left tackles. And Anton was the situation you knew what Jack Still was going to do, just sitting in front of him. The fact that they both their bookends are gone. Let I mean, me, okay. Jawan's in Kansas City and Cam's uh, suspended. I think I know your answer, but do you think this was a case of, hey, Jawan Taylor was a guy we liked, we brought him in. Donovan Smith was available at a number we liked. We brought him in. There's nothing more to it than that. I, I think this wasn't a, a part move. of a, this wasn't a part of a big plan. These are just the best guys that we had available. I, I think it's chance met opportunity. Yeah. And Juwan again, well, I don't care where you pay your right tackle because you do face elite. Max Crosby, the right tackle is going to deal with him. I mean, it doesn't matter which side you're on, left tackle, right tackle. You're going to have to be able to protect And by the way, just for anybody who who disagrees with you. Mitch Schwartz was one of the best in the league playing that. Right, and he had to go against Von Miller. Yeah. (laughs) So anybody out there who's saying that, oh, well, you you don't invest that much in a right tackle. Okay, that's fine. But now you're not allowed to ever bitch about 
right tackle. No, you right. can't. Or if yeah, don't defense... complain when Max Crosby beats whoever is at yeah. right tackle. Right, because more. when it was Andrew Wiley last yeah. year and he yeah. was getting beat, you guys yeah. were complaining. You guys wanted more. Or if you're he was a weak coordinator, spot you say, yeah. well, we have an elite pass rusher, but let's put him on our left hand. Let's put him on our best lineman. Right. You know, well, let's be nice to the Chiefs. Let's play him on the let's against take it their, easy on him. Let's let our best go against their best. That's not what they do. They look for the mismatches. I, I I I agree with you, Bink, on that. I don't think it was a situation where they were like, okay, we'll wait the market out on Donovan. And we're gonna make Donovan our starting left tackle. I think it was like, oh, he's still here. Oh, really? Right. Okay. How much? How much? Oh, okay. Up to nine million. Okay, that's well, actually maybe a good next number. year. Wanya's ready for. Maybe Juwan goes yeah, to the left side. We I, don't know. I, the fact that they signed him to the contract that they did, and we heard that they initially were like, okay, we think he might be our starting left tackle, tells me that it was a situation where it was like, okay, this guy's still available. Okay, let's go get him, and let's just see who's best. Yeah, I think it's a matter of. They're going to go with the best plan to protect their quarterback, to protect their biggest investment on their roster. And if and I don't care how much you pay Jawan Taylor, I care who is the best line that you can field in front of Mahomes. Would they have signed him if they drafted Anton Harrison? Signed yes. Donovan? You, you think they still would have? If they would have. Yeah. If they okay. would have. Because he has experience, and Andy Reid wants experience on because that line. Because it's not like it's a tick for tack Especially situation. Especially on the outside, not on the it's inside, but like, the outside. It's not like if you had drafted Anton Harrison in the first round and then you didn't draft Felix and Yudike Uzama and then you'd still have a hole at edge rusher that there would have been an edge rusher out there that you wanted to sign. Yeah, I think this has actually worked out really you well You look for at him. your assets, you look at the availability, supply, demand, and you make the best decision. You don't have, you didn't get wide receivers that you wanted in the offseason. You didn't get D-Hop. You didn't get Odell Beckham Jr. You didn't spend a first-round draft pick on a wide receiver. How do you counterbalance that? Give your quarterback three seconds to throw on every drop back because I trust that if you give him enough time, Patrick Mahomes is going to find somebody open and he's going to give him the ball. Yeah, and and here's the thing about Donovan is like it's a one year contract, it's up to nine million, so it's pretty low risk. If it doesn't work out, and let's say Jawan Taylor ends up being the best left tackle, and then they have a, a better solution at right tackle there, uh, like say Wanye or, or or Niang, then I. I I don't have any issue with that. And by the because, way, because that base four million to, will become nine million. Yes, yeah. and that's the beauty of it. There's no risk. If Wanye is ready to play this year, he'll play. He'll play. It's he'll as simple play. as that. If Jawan Taylor is the best left tackle, he will be the starting left tackle. They're not going to be like, oh, but we're paying Donovan all this money, and 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 we don't know. No, they, if he's the best option at left tackle, and they feel like they've got a good option at right tackle, that's what they're going to go with. And it'll be some of the Washington offense. Obviously, the tackle situation and the wide receiver situation. Something we're going to be watching. And I mean, again, like I know that we all think that it wouldn't be surprising to see them go after wide receiver or go after edge rusher again in next year's draft. If if Donovan Smith looks like he doesn't have much gas left in the tank, or Juwan Taylor, you can go through every scenario. I think a lot of the would same it shock priorities. You, would it we shock listed, you the, exactly? Except for edge rusher, I think as far as wide Maybe. receiver, I, I think this year's draft order that we looked at, we said, all right, I think next year applies the same. Basically, it Pro- applies yeah, the probably. Same. If you yeah. told me next year in some order, yeah, that their top three priorities were tackle, wide receiver, and edge rusher, it wouldn't yeah. shock me whatsoever. I think more so interior for defense than edge, unless like it's just like a complete disaster at edge this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I do think tackle might be something they look at next year. Wide receiver, I think there's a chance that they could be looking at that next year if there's no growth and. And certainly, they're. I think they're always going to look to make sure that they have good pass rushing talent because we saw how important it was for this Super Bowl run. And Spag's defense is so predicated on the pass rush 
that you got to have a lot of guys who are able to get after the quarterback. I got good news, guys. We are about halfway through the offseason. We're three months into the offseason. We're five weeks from the 4th of July, man. This thing is flying. What's the what's the Fourth of July signify on the calendar? Well, I'm just saying we're five weeks away from it. I mean, which which means, Memorial Day, we're four weeks from it. Then I'm just saying this whole season's flying by, and then all of a sudden, two weeks later, you have training camp. Yeah, we're about two months away from training camp <laughs> up crazy. in St. Joe, which means we're then about a month and a half away from the start of the season. So, in a roundabout way, the season's almost here, and it's going to sneak up on us before you know it. And we're not going anywhere. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Happy to be back. We're going to sit on the 2026 mock draft for at least another week. There's still a few details to iron out. What the, what the hell, man? We, we got to sift through. We got to grind some more film. We're going to go. We're going to get back. I'm to the not film grinding room. film on 2026. We're going to so grind the tape. Happen. Let's we're, do 24 then. We're going to go watch the Elite 11 camp footage and uh, see what we come up with. Fellas, pleasure as always. We'll catch you guys next time.